Hello, and welcome to another episode of Fireside Poems. I'm Dr. J. Last week's episode looked at two sonnets Longfellow wrote on the English poets Chaucer and Shakespeare. This episode looks at his companion sonnets on Milton and Keats. Chaucer and Shakespeare both focused on the worlds the two poets inhabited to convey the essence of their works. For Chaucer, the English countryside, and for Shakespeare, the bustling world of London. Longfellow shifts gears for Milton and Keats, but with the same goal of conveying the essence of their poetry. In Milton, Longfellow hews to the formal structure of the sonnet most closely. In the octave, the first eight lines, we find Longfellow in a familiar place, the seashore, which he contemplates without reference to Milton. In the sestet, the concluding six lines, he turns to the poet, using the images of the sea he developed in the octave to convey the essence of Milton's poetry, its grandeur, having in mind, no doubt, Milton's Paradise Lost. The standout image is the ninth wave, a term taken from the old sailor's adage that in the ocean's successive waves, the ninth is the grandest. Anyone who has visited the seashore is familiar with this phenomenon. If we stand just where each successive wave reaches our bare feet, every once in a while, a wave will surge well past our feet up the sand. Longfellow uses other aspects of the ocean and beach as well, the grand rhythm of the waves and the beauty of the sun shining into them. Longfellow also alludes to Milton's blindness. Blind in his old age, Milton dictated the entirety of his epic Paradise Lost, just as the blind Homer whom Longfellow calls Maonides, is traditionally said to have dictated his epics, the Iliad and the Odyssey. Let's listen. Milton by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow I pace the sounding sea beach, and behold how the voluminous billows roll and run, upheaving and subsiding, while the sun shines through their sheeted emerald far unrolled. And the ninth wave, slowly gathering fold by fold all its loose flowing garments into one, plunges upon the shore and floods the dun pale reach of sands and changes them to gold. So in majestic cadence rise and fall the mighty undulations of thy song, O sightless bard, England's Maonides, and ever and anon, high over all uplifted, a ninth wave, superb and strong, floods all the soul with its melodious seas. To convey the delicate, death-haunted beauty of the poetry of John Keats, Longfellow turns to a figure from classical poetry, the youthful Endymion. Keats was born in 1795 and died of tuberculosis in 1816, when he was just 25. Just as Chaucer, Shakespeare, and Milton are representative of their respective ages, the earthiness of English medieval poetry, the energy of the Renaissance, 
the grandeur among chaos of the English 18th century, so too does Keats represent the moonlit beauty of British Romanticism. He is the shepherd boy in Demian, who doesn't die but sleeps for eternity after having been with the virgin goddess Diana, so that he may not tell of his night with her, yet is not punished with death. Longfellow uses images from Keats' poems, particularly from his Ode to a Nightingale in the octave, and then in the sestet turns to Keats's gravestone with its heartbreaking epitaph, before concluding with his own epitaph for the young poet, borrowing from the Old Testament prophet Isaiah images of a bruised reed and a torch of flax to convey Keats's fragile vulnerability. Let's listen. Keats by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow The young Endymion sleeps Endymion's sleep, the shepherd boy whose tale was left half told. The solemn grove uplifts its shield of gold to the red rising moon, and loud and deep the nightingale is singing from the steep. It is midsummer, but the air is cold. Can it be death? Alas, beside the fold, a shepherd's pipe lies shattered near his sheep. Lo, in the moonlight gleams a marble white, on which I read, Here lieth one whose name was writ in water. And was this the mead of his sweet singing? Rather, let me write. The smoking flax before it burst to flame was quenched by death and broken the bruised reed. Each person, I think, has her or his favorite poet, the poet who speaks most to who we are, whether we know how or why or not. But who we are isn't a fixed thing, nor should it be. I'm not suggesting that we should change who we are, but that we should enlarge who we are. There are many ways of doing this, and one way is through reading. It came as a surprise to my students when I would tell them that not all poets are trying to do the same thing and that the difference between them is that some succeed at it better than others. Rather, different poets at different times are trying to do different things, as different times bring out different human potentials. These different human potentials reside in each of us, with one or two brought forward by the times we live in, while others lie dormant. By coming to know and appreciate what poets of other times and places have done, we can awaken these different potentials within ourselves and thus enlarge who we are. Chaucer, Shakespeare, Milton, Keats, these and other poets and artists speak to that within each of us that is common to all people at all times and places, but they also connect us to ways of being that are unfamiliar, and we should treasure them for that as well. With this in mind, let's listen to Milton and Keats again. Milton by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow I pace the sounding sea beach, and behold how the voluminous billows roll and run, upheaving and subsiding, while the sun shines through their sheeted emerald far unrolled. And the ninth wave, slowly gathering fold by fold, 
all its loose flowing garments into one, plunges upon the shore and floods the dun pale reach of sands and changes them to gold. So in majestic cadence rise and fall the mighty undulations of thy song, O sightless bard, England's Maonides, and ever and anon, high over all uplifted, a ninth wave superb and strong floods all the soul with its melodious seas. And again, Keats by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. The young Endymion sleeps Endymion's sleep, the shepherd boy whose tale was left half told. The solemn grove uplifts its shield of gold to the red rising moon, and loud and deep the nightingale is singing from the steep. It is midsummer, but the air is cold. Can it be death? Alas, beside the fold, a shepherd's pipe lies shattered near his sheep. Lo, in the moonlight gleams a marble white on which I read, Here lieth one whose name was writ in water. And was this the mead of his sweet singing? Rather, let me write, The smoking flax before it burst to flame Was quenched by death and broken the bruised reed. I hope you enjoyed Milton and Keats, as well as Chaucer and Shakespeare in last week's episode. I also hope that these poems have whetted your interest in other poets and writers. In August, I will be launching two new podcasts, one focused on Shakespeare and the other focused on American writers, not poets, but writers of stories and reflection. I hope you'll join me for both of these new podcasts. Before then, though, I have one more episode of Fireside Poems to share. I hope you'll join me for it next week by the Fireside.